0: Hello and welcome to the CISS Podcast. This is the On The Spot series by China Forum. In this series, we return to the platform of international forums and webinars where leading minds in academia, government, business, technology and media deliver novel, collaborative responses to the global issues of today.
1: Hello and welcome to the CISS Podcast On The Spot series. I'm Zhang Lirung from China Forum, CISS. While there's no end in sight with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, China issued a position paper on the political settlement of the Ukraine crisis on February 21, 2023, calling on both sides of the conflict to resume negotiations and reach a ceasefire. In what ways China's neutrality position may help promote a peaceful solution to the Ukraine crisis, why it is so important for the world's silent majority to form a coalition of the one willing to help restore peace process between Russia and Ukraine. Zhuang Gong, a China Forum expert of CISS Tsinghua University, shared his perspectives at a panel discussion organized by the Valdai Discussion Club early March, themed The New Middle East and the security crisis in Europe, effects of the mutual influence. Let's hear what he has to say. Please stay tuned.
0: Let me first start by thanking the Bodai organization for inviting me here. I think the theme of this panel about sovereignty issues is very timely. As you can see, that we elaborate on this in a few more minutes. I will start by going straight to the point, which is to. Um, advocate the creation of what I call the coalition of the unwilling in the context of the conflict in Ukraine. The term is derived from the coalition of the willing, a term you all know, a term invented by George Bush to refer to the countries who supported militarily and politically the 2003 invasion of Iraq and a subsequent military occupation on the grounds of Saddam Hussein's connection to Al-Qaeda and Iraq's development of weapons of mass destruction, both of which later proved to be absolute hoaxes. Nevertheless, over 400,000 people pay their lives for these hoaxes directly attributed to the American invasion. At that time, it needs to build an alliance to start a war. Today, I say it needs to build an alliance to stay out of a war. Like many countries in the world, China takes a neutrality position, a position of principled neutrality, in fact, that promotes a peaceful solution in Ukraine, as well as humanitarian assistance to Ukraine, while at the same time striving to maintain normal trade relations with both countries. This neutrality position is not only justified by selfish national interests, but unabashedly, let me also say it is also justified morally. Sanctions do in fact kill, just as T-72 tanks do. In fact, a paper published in the uh, International Relations Journal Foreign Affairs in 1999 called sanctions weapons of mass destruction as they cause economic hardship, denial of access to medical supplies, and possibly starvation. But even if we disregard the potential consequences of sanctions casualties in Russia, today's sanctions led by the West will also probably kill more people outside of Russia. Russia is a major global exporter of agricultural and energy products, and sanctions on Russia will have implications in other parts of the world, and particularly, I think, in the MENA region, North Africa, and some other countries. Therefore, the neutrality position, in my view, in addition to avoiding siding with a warring party, also sides with peace and sides with humanity. It needs to be pointed out that the number of countries that have not imposed sanctions grossly outweighs the number of those that have. The size of the population that these countries represent also outweighs even more. Almost the entire global south is not in the sanction camp. In fact, they are the real majority. They are the silent majority. So today's conference is about the Middle East. I don't need to educate you on each country's stance on this war in the Middle East. And one thing I can say about the stances of these countries in the Middle East is that none of them, none of them, not a single country sides with the sanction camp. Second, Politically speaking, they range from countries of strong religious beliefs to secular states, from America's closest ally to America's bitter arch-enemy, from NATO member state to designated major non-NATO allies, what's called MNNA of the United States. In short, they encompass a wide range of political spectrum. And yet, Washington framed this war as a battle between democracy and authoritarianism, which just can be easily torn apart by the analysis just above. In the 19th century, it was pretty easy for the British Empire to adopt a neutrality position with respect to the constant conflicts on the European continent, a policy historians credit as the splendid isolation. But it's not so easy today to be a neutral state. China is at the forefront of Washington's grudge against the neutrality camp, understandably due to its global trading nation status in general and the recent thriving trading relations with Russia in particular. China is singled out even though it buys less oil than India and it restricts trade with Russia strictly in the civilian use space. Washington is actively promoting a false narrative around the world that somehow China's continued normal trade relationship with Russia is tantamount to taking a side in this war. Now, here is a list of Washington actions to substantiate this false narrative. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has been warning Beijing of providing lethal assistance for some time. In Astana, this is what he said. He said China cannot have it both ways when it comes to the Russian aggression in Ukraine. It cannot be putting forward peace proposals on the one hand while actually feeding the flames of the fire that Russia has started with the other hand. That's what he said, okay. And there have been several stories, reports, speculative reports and stories about Chinese companies providing civilian products for potentially military applications. And typically these stories, you know, quote, anonymous sources from White House or whatever. Another thing, a few days ago, at an interview at ABC News, Joe Biden said, this is what he says, if Putin is applauding it, meaning the peace proposal put out by China, if Putin is applauding it, so how can it be good? But without mentioning, Zelensky is also applauding it, okay? You know, Washington's stance does not reflect the stance uh, from Kiev. I think uh, President Zelensky said very clearly that he welcomes this first step. The second thing I want to say is that it's still a very much a balanced kind of a view regarding this conflict. At one side, it says that uh, sovereignty and territorial integrity should be protected. On the other hand, it also says that um, one country's security should not be at the expense of another country's security. So as you can see, you know, this is a very balanced view. You now, we can debate about what leads up to this war and, and all these things, but I think, you know, we have overcome that stage. I think you know, we're mostly interested in looking for a peaceful solution for this conflict. This is really, in my view, uh, not a actionable peace plan, right? It's a set of principles, basically. It represents the first step in developing these you know, very important principles that can potentially lead to the next round of uh, negotiation. And I think these principles are very important. You know, the Chinese way of negotiation is always based on a set of principles, right? It's under the guidance of these principles that a negotiation process can meaningfully move forward. So in that regard, I think this represents represents the first step. It's not the last step, by the way. There'll be more things coming, I think. In my view, Beijing has adopted a more proactive role in terms of trying to mediating a peace. And I don't quite understand why Washington is not welcoming that. There are several parties so far that have been dedicating efforts towards that direction. Israel has done that. Turkey has done that. And why can't China proactively play a role on this? And I think the most troubling thing is that Washington's interpreting normal trade relations between China and Russia as China being on the brink of providing so-called material support to Russia. Now, that two-way trade can be interpreted as one-way support. It's just baffling to me as a trade economist. A trade has two partners, a buyer and a seller. Both sides gain something from that trade. Now, if China's roughly $200 billion trade with Russia last year is material support, you know how much trade between China and the United States, right? It's roughly $700 billion with the United States. And can it be interpreted as China providing, what I would say, heavenly support to the United States? And this is just ridiculous. And that narrative is totally chicanery. But Washington is not going to stop with China. As long as Kiev is still losing ground in the battlefield, as long as the stalemate in the battlefield is still lasting, and as long as the war risks further escalation and expansion, the pressure on the neutrality camp will keep mounting and mounting. Today it is China, tomorrow it could be India, and the next day it could be Israel, it could be the Arab states, it could be the GCC. As a matter of fact, NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg warned in a December 2022 interview that tolerance for airline neutrality, I mean NATO's airline neutrality, may change if the conflict escalates and becomes a full-fledged war that spreads into a major war between NATO and Russia. U.S. allies in the Middle East will come under increasing pressure from the U.S., the European Union, and the NATO to cut or reduce ties with Russia, enforce sanctions, and set up aid to Ukraine, including possibly military assistance. So this goes back to the beginning theme of my talk, The silent majority of the world needs an alliance as well to resist such increasing pressure from the West. In order to stay out of the war, I call it the coalition of the unwilling. A coalition of the unwilling is in the interest of peace as well as in the interest of the coalition member countries' national interests. This silent majority needs to speak up with a unified message. No, we don't want to have any business with this war and we jointly support the peace effort to mediate an acceptable solution to both parties. Today, it's no longer enough to just passively and unilaterally stay out of this war. For the world's neutrality camp, we need to proactively, jointly, and multilaterally stay out of this war.
1: That was Professor Zhang Gung, a China Forum expert of CISS, sharing his views on the possible way out for the Ukraine crisis. Thanks for listening.